right, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 9 tonight. Matthew chapter 9, we'll start reading in verse 35. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when He saw the multitudes, He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. I want to talk tonight about where to find the laborers. Okay, Notice what Jesus said in this passage when He says the harvest is plenteous. A lot of times we talk about you know how difficult things are in the world today, how hard people are, you know, and how just callous they are to the things of God, just how disinterested they are. But you know, I personally believe that you know the world doesn't really, in a lot of ways, doesn't really change that much. I personally believe that there are a lot of people out there that are ready to be saved. There's a lot of people out there that uh, you know we could get them into church, we could get them saved if we. You know, be out in the fields. I guess you know a lot of times too, and when it comes to churches, if we're not careful, you know, once we get to the point where, you know, our bills are being paid pretty easily, we got some money in the bank, we're comfortable with each other, we're having fun, we can get real satisfied and forget that you know we're not just here to fellowship, which is wonderful. You know, we're not just here to get encouragement from each other, you know, which that is one of the things we're here for, but we're also here to try to win the world. And uh, it's it's not easy, you know, it's not easy and when it comes to, you know, winning winning the world, you know, I I can see a lot of opportunities that are out there, but once again, you know, you always come to that point where you're like, you know, the labors are few. You need the help. We need the help. And notice what he when he said Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. A lot of churches, it's like they're sitting around praying that the Lord will send laborers their way. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But usually when we pray for laborers in churches today, what most I think most Christians are thinking how God's... Because we, whenever we pray for something, we usually have an idea of how we want God to answer that prayer, don't we? You know, we if we pray for praying for something financial, you know, we're praying it's going to come in a check in the mail tomorrow. You know, that's how you know we've got a way we want it to happen. And when we pray for laborers, many times we're praying, you know, Lord, send us some good, solid Christians from another church. You know, Lord, send us some good, seasoned Christians that are already good, fundamental Baptists, established doctrinally, uh, have been taught, been trained, and just you know, Lord, move them to our area. So we can have the laborers and accomplish more. And you know what? When that happens, that's great. Okay, that you know that's. But you know, at the same time, anytime we get a family like that, well, somebody lost a family like that. And I don't want people praying for our people to you know go to their church. You know, I hope you all don't end up being an answer to somebody else's prayer and move away from here. You know, I mean, if it's God's will, it's God's will, but. Um, you know, I'd prefer people not pray for that. <laughs> and so maybe we shouldn't do the same thing. And I personally believe, you know, the best place to find the laborers are, you know, and we, a few places I want to mention here, but one of the best places is just right here in the church amongst our own people. You know, right, I believe that the, the laborers that we need, the laborers that God wants us to have, many times are sitting in the pews. 
people that are in the church, maybe they're not, you know, real involved, but you know, they maybe they just need a little push, you know. A lot of times we've got I've seen this before, and this has always kind of bothered me, where I've gone to church with people for years and years, and then it's like all of a sudden this great talent services that never know never knew about. You know, we've had people, you know, when I was in at Lighthouse, I went to church there for, you know, twenty three years and people I went to church with for several years and all of a sudden found out, hey, these people can sing. And they started singing specials. It's like, man, I'm thrilled you're singing specials right now, but where have you been the last ten years, you know? And then a lot of times I've seen it too, where people they'll move and they'll go off to another church and then they start doing all these things in that other church that would have been great if they'd have been doing them in our church before. It's like, hey, where where was that talent? Well you you you're holding back, obviously. You know, what's going on here? And I often wonder about that. You know, what kind of potential, what kind of untapped talent do we have sitting in our own pews? And I think we need to make sure when we're praying for this, you know, praying, Lord, send the laborers, I think we, most of the time we just need to be praying, you know, Lord, help our congregation get into gear. Help them get involved. You know, many people, they're just not involved enough in the battle. Another great place where you can find laborers, Said it is. It's great when they come in pre-trained and everything, but at the same time, I think the next best place to find laborers is out there in the harvest. People around here in our own community, you know, people that right now are currently lost. But oh, but the thing is, if we, you know, they're going to take some time. They're going to take some work. We're going to have to teach them some things. Well, you know what? Sometimes you got to invest in people a little bit. Okay, in every company. You know, every job you've ever worked at, you had to go through a training process where the company was basically losing money on you. I mean, you've all been there before where you know they're paying somebody to train you. They're paying you to do a, a terrible, slow job. But they do that because they know, hey, eventually this guy will probably get to where he's producing something. He's accomplishing something. And I'm afraid most of the time in churches when it comes to laborers, we're too lazy you know, to even put any effort into people. So, and as a result... We do more work for ourselves. I've seen parents that parent that way with their kids. You know, training your kids takes some work. But in the long run, it makes your job easier. Okay? You know, for example, you know, when you you gotta if you're gonna teach your boys how to mow the grass, you know, you're gonna have to take some time to give them some instruction. You're gonna have to take some time to watch and observe and correct. And, you know, you you've gotta take the time to do that. But eventually it pays off, doesn't it? And now I can just tell the boys, guys, make sure you mow the grass today. And I can come home and the grass can be mowed. It's it's a wonderful feeling. You know, it, it's great when you can do that. And we've got to be willing to train people. And the truth is, too, it's almost better, I think, when you can train people yourself. You know, because the thing is, if we haven't come from another church, well, what if it's a church the doctrine's a little different? You know, then we've got to, you know, unteach them things. And a lot of times, it's a lot harder to unteach people than it is to teach people. It really is. And, you know, I think out there, that's a mindset we need to have. Whenever we're praying for labors in the harvest, we ought to be thinking, you know, a lot of those labors are actually people that are in the harvest. If we go and we get some of these people saved, that's more people doing work. You know, if you don't like, you know, it's okay to get tired and to get weary sometimes. It's going to happen, but, you know, if you don't like, for example, uh, you know, cleaning, you know, it's some work cleaning the church. Well, you know what? Pray for labors. Go out and win some people, to the Lord, and get them in the church, and maybe they'll get on the list, and it'll take longer to get to your turn. 
Wouldn't that be a you know? Wouldn't that be a blessing? You know, if we had to, you had to wait three months or four months before it got to your turn to clean. I wouldn't complain if that happened because so many people are wanting to do it. You know, it's nice when you have people fighting over jobs, and you know, uh, and we don't realize we can make things easier on ourselves if we go out in the harvest, put in that little extra work, win some people to the Lord, train them, show them how to live, and it's going to you know, result in less work for us. You know, we, we can't just sit around waiting for laborers to just show up from other churches. And so you know, in the, uh, when it comes to laborers, and I'm not going to talk about each of these things, but you know, there, we've talked about it before, how in the body, in the church, there's many different offices, there's many different things, there's many different abilities. You, know, you have uh, preachers, you've got those who uh, minister, whether that be... And just being an encouragement to other people, whether it be in being a physical laborer in things, you've got teachers, people that are just good at teaching, expounding on the Bible, you know, the exhorters, you've got givers, administrators, mercy, all these different things. You know, uh, so without taking time to go through all of them, hopefully you all know them as laborers in the church, but a lot of people that are sitting in the pews many times, a lot of new Christians that come into the church. They don't realize, you know, what all goes into running a church. A lot of times, you know, many people, it's amazing how many people that come to church, sit in there week after week, but literally all of church they ever see is that hour from 11 to 12. That's all they see. They don't see any of the behind the scenes stuff. They see all the people that come here to church, but they haven't seen. The people that were out knocking doors, inviting people, you know, they haven't seen any of that. You know, they they see, uh, you know, the building that looks nice, but they don't really even notice what it looks like sometimes after a Sunday, and you know, the work that goes into cleaning it, and they literally just kind of take those things for granted, and they don't realize that just them stepping up and helping, whether it be in the cleaning, working with kids, helping in the nursery. Whatever they don't realize how big of a blessing that is. I mean, they literally just take that stuff for granted. When we started the church, we were only like I think we'd only had like two or three weeks we had been into this, and we were in town and it was garage sale days. And I remember we we saw somebody who'd been coming to the church uh, at the garage sales, and we were you know just, I, I forgot what we were talking about exactly, but they were talking about how the church should be doing certain things for us. And you know, they didn't understand, you know, you, you, wait, you don't understand, you know, we're not even really a church yet, you know, we, uh, we have just started and the church, it's not this building where things just magically happen, where there's magically money to pay all the bills and money to pay the pastor and, you know, magically people that just show up that know how to run everything and, you know, work in the nurseries and help with the music and all that stuff. You know, the, the people that they're all that stuff that happens is because of people like you who are a part of the church, who get involved, you know, who accept responsibilities and they own those things and they make them happen. It, it, and you know, at the time, you know, when we were only two or three weeks into it, the only ones making anything happen really were us. We'd just gotten started. We hadn't even, you know, I mean, we were still learning people's names <laughs> at the time. But people do they, they they don't even realize what all goes into it. 
And that's why it's important for all of you as laborers, a lot of times you can reach out and you can kind of train people and show them and they'll see the things that you're doing and think, you know, I can do that. I can help in that area. You know, there's only one pastor in a church. And you know, most of the most people that come to church, you know, they're not interested in getting up and preaching a sermon. That's most of what they see in a service. But you know, there's there's a lot more things that need to be done around here than just somebody preaching a sermon. And we've we've got to make sure that we as individuals that we, you know, are getting involved. You know, those of us that are Christians, we know we're supposed to be doing that we're doing these things and teaching others. You know, training somebody, getting somebody to help you with these things, it can end up being a ministry for them. And one thing too, I've noticed when people are involved, when people have responsibilities, they're more faithful. A lot of people they that don't show up, maybe they don't show up on a Sunday. It's because they don't think they will be missed. They don't think it's going to matter. They don't think anybody's going to care because they're not doing anything. And if they would get involved. If they had a responsibility, they would probably be more involved. They would probably be more faithful. And so, how can we help with this? You know, what is it that we need to do? All right, I'm just going to call y'all laborers, and y'all, y'all here that are here tonight, I consider you laborers in the church. So, what are some things that you can do to help find the laborers? You know, recruit the laborers, which will ultimately, you know, I don't want us to try to think I want to make my job easier so I don't have to do anything. What we should the goal should be, hey, if I find a laborer to help me in this area, then I'll be able to do more in another area. And that you know, don't I don't think any of us in here are ready to go into retirement yet. We're all pretty young that's in here tonight, and so uh, you know, we don't don't be thinking that way yet. But go to First Corinthians chapter one or verse uh, chapter twelve. Sorry, First Corinthians chapter twelve and verse twenty-seven. See. A lot of times we think, well, you know, everybody's supposed to do all their learning from the pastor. Well, you know, hopefully they're going to learn something from the preaching. But you know what? They can learn. They need to learn some things from you too. You all need to be helping the newer Christians, uh, or maybe even you know, just people that sometimes just show up. You know, get to know these people, uh, show them how to get involved. And so, First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty-seven. It says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Okay, he's naming off all these different things that God put in the church. And then verse twenty nine, are all apostles? Okay. Obviously no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all Interpret. Okay? Not everybody has the same ability. Not everybody does the same thing. Okay? Obviously, my thing that I do in the church is the pastoring, is the preaching. That's my main thing. That's my main ability. That's my that's my favorite thing to do. Okay? That's probably where I will be able to teach people the best. But you all realize that on many of these other things, okay, God puts these people in the church too. And if God has gifted you in that area, if God's given you that ability, you realize that you would be better at teaching other people how to serve in that area than I would. You can teach other people better. Okay, If your gift 
Uh, you know, we talk about the gift of administration, all right? You know, and that's a, an important gift for a pastor to have. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's not my strongest gift. Well, if that's yours, you ought to be using it in the church and you could do a better job of helping teach others in that area than even I could. You know, if you're, if you're somebody who possesses that gift of mercy, which is also not always one of my strongest ones, you can be a better help. You can be a better teacher in that area than I can. Don't just think the, you know, the pastor will teach everybody everything. No, you need to be teaching people too. And then look at verse 31. It says, "...but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way." We ought to, we ought to have a strong desire to possess these gifts of the Spirit. Notice it uses the term covet. Okay, a lot of times we always think about covet as a bad thing, but you know, covetous—it's only a bad thing when we're wanting things that are things where that are not ours, things that we're not supposed to have. You know, things like your neighbor's wife and stuff like that. You're, that you know, that's wrong. But you wanting the gifts of the Spirit, God gives those things liberally to people. You ought to want those things. You ought to have the desire to possess those things. Those ought to be a big deal. And if you Make those things things that you make a big deal in your life many times become big deals in your friends' lives. Okay, you know, for example, uh, you know, we all have you know how how many of you have ever maybe got caught up into something because you heard everybody talking about it. You know, maybe maybe a sport team, maybe everybody you work with, they're all talking about the Cubs, and you didn't really care, but you heard people talking about it so much. It, it sparked your interest. Now all of a sudden you're paying attention to it. And all of a sudden now you're calling yourself a Cub fan where maybe you weren't one before or maybe you know, if you want to be a little more carnal, maybe it's a TV show. Everybody's talking about some TV show. And wow, you know, they're making it sound so interesting. All of a sudden, oh, I'm going to go try that out. Because everybody's making a big deal about it. And then you get hooked. You get interested in it. And now you're into that. When it comes to church, one of the things that we're supposed to be doing is... Using our gifts for God. Serving God. It's supposed to be a great thing. It's supposed to be something we're excited about. And if we would make a big deal about serving God, if it would become a big deal in our life, other people are going to catch on to that and think, you know what? Maybe I can do that too. I want to try doing that too. And you helping, you serving, you making a big deal about that, making it an important thing, it will cause other people to see it as important too. You know, even just things like church, like church attendance, okay? For some people, boy, you know, it, it's a big deal. They want to be in the house of God. Whenever the doors are open, they want to be there. They want to be, they want to be faithful. They feel like it's important for them to be there. They play, they play a part. Other people, they don't really care. It's not a big deal to them. They don't think of it as a big deal, but when but you making it a big deal in your life and making it important in your life, many times that rubs off on other people. And now all of a sudden, they're doing the same thing. You know, we're, it, it, we just as people, we just kind of naturally follow other people, don't we? And you think, well, you know, I'm not really a leader. But somebody's following you. Everybody's got a follower to some extent. Somebody that's paying attention to you. Somebody, somebody that's watching you. And... You making things of God a priority in your life, it'll cause other people to do the same thing. I mean, just kind of proof of this, okay? Social media, for example. Alright? You know how many people they're they're you know they're so weak minded 
they can't make a decision unless they, they got to make sure everybody. It's like they got to get everybody's permission first. And a lot of times they'll kind of throw out these ideas, and they want to see what everybody's response is on social media. And depending on everybody, how everybody responds, that's will you know how they respond is will determine what they do. You know, uh, some woman gets on there. Yeah, thinking about dyeing my hair black. Why are they doing that? Why do they put that on there? Well, they're wanting to see what all their friends are going to say. And if all their friends are like, that would look stupid. Ah, oh, forget it. You know, I'm not going to do it. You know, and they, there's a lot of people that do that type of stuff. They're always wanting to find out what everybody thinks, what everybody else is going to do, and that will determine what they do. Okay? Now, I personally am not one of those people. You know, I'm the type, I don't care what other people do. I tend to want to do the opposite. If people don't want me to do something, I'm just, I'm just obstinate. Okay? That's, how, that's just how I am. But at the same time, another way I am, and this is, you know, this is just part of who I am, my personality. Not everybody's like this, but I, I try to influence, you know, through example. Because there are a lot of people out there that what they do is determined by what everybody else is going to do. So you know what? I make sure people always know what I'm going to do. Okay? If it's, if it's about church attendance, you don't have to worry about everybody. Everybody knows where I'm going to be. You know, if, when it comes to, you know, even you know, even a lot of preachers are like that. They always got, you know, they're always trying to find out from other preachers what they're going to do and how they do things determines how they're going to do them. And you know what? You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily like that. I don't go looking to find out what everybody else does. But because I know there's a lot of preachers out there that are like that, I make sure people know, hey, if you're thinking about going trendy and you're, you know, wanting to, hey, you all know what I think about it. You know, preachers I hang out with, they know what I think about that stuff. I'm not going that way. There's a lot of preachers that might be thinking about going that way, but they, they're going to give in to peer pressure. And so if they're my peers, the pressure is going to be to not go that way. And you can do that same thing when it comes to, you know, whether it be you know, serving God in certain areas, when it comes to church attendance, if you make these things a big deal and a priority in your life, if everybody knows, hey, you know, Brother Lonnie, he's going to do this. Brother Lonnie, he's going to be committed to that. You know, I know how he thinks. I know how he's going to act in that situation. Other people will do that too. And so you've got, you know, having make a big deal about the spiritual gifts. Make a big deal about the things that you do in the church. Take it serious. Make sure it's an important thing. You know, I mean, just, uh, you know, remind people, you know, you're, serve, you're serving God. It is a privilege to serve God. It's a blessing. You know, I, you know, the preacher shouldn't have to always twist people's arms to get them to do things. People, you ought to be acting like when you get an opportunity to serve somewhere that it's a blessing, it's a privilege, and you're thrilled to do it. And then maybe people in the church will start, you know, quit thinking, you know, oh, what a horrible thing to serve. And they'll start thinking, man, I wish I could be like those people. I wish I could do the things they were doing. I wish I could serve in that area. And the thing is, they could do those things. You are allowed to covet the best gifts. You are allowed, you know, I hope there's people in our church that, you know, see me pastoring and, you know, some of these young men and think, man, I want to do that someday. I want to, I want to be up there behind the pulpit. I want to be preaching. I want to run a church. I want them to covet that. I hope they don't covet this pulpit because I want this one. But you know, but then say, you know, I, I could do that. I could do that, and then they can learn from me, and then they can go and maybe pastor a church someday. 
you know, whether you know whatever it is, whether it be you know the piano playing, the singing, we ought to make a big deal about these things. They need to be important to us, and in doing that, all of a sudden people are going to start caring about serving, about laboring. And Jesus, he told his disciples to pray that the Lord would send the laborers, and we need to pray for that. But I think we could help by inspiring laborers and by just making a big deal about these things. I mean, we've all seen these idiots that go out there on Black Friday and fight over these certain toys that are the hot items and stuff. Now, why do they do that? Advertisement. That's all it is. Somebody in the news said, this is the hot item for this year. You know, they saw a commercial or, you know, it's been advertised big on the Internet or whatever. And some people, they get caught up in that and they will fight to get some toy that's completely worthless and they'll spend a lot of money on it too. And you know what? We need to we need to learn from that and make a big deal about things that are actually are important that are good. We uh, go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and start reading in verse 1. It says James the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. Notice how he called himself James, the servant of God. Okay, This was one of the apostles. I believe this was actually the brother of Jesus Christ. But you know what? He didn't make a big deal about Yeah, I was one of Jesus' brothers. He didn't make a big deal about that. He didn't say, you know, James, one of the you know apostles. He could have done that. It would have been a fine. It would have been appropriate. He said, James, the servant of God. You know what's he doing here? He's making a big deal about the fact that he's a servant of God. Verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God's not going to yell at you for asking for gifts. He's saying here, you know, be happy. Count it all joy when you fall into temptations. When you go through temptations and hard times in your life, it will make you a better servant. It will improve you as it'll 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 improve your abilities as a servant. And so he's saying, you know, ask God to give you these things. Verse six, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Of the Lord, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And a lot of times we use, we'll, we'll focus on those few verses there where it talks about asking in faith, and we're saying, you know, whatever it is you're asking for, you know, if you're asking God for that new car, man, if you want that new car, you need to ask in faith, nothing wavering. All right, listen, that's not what that's talking about. It's saying if you want to, if you want to have patience, okay. Well, the way we get patience is through going through trials. Okay? You could get these gifts. You could get have patience. And let me tell you, if you're going to get involved in the ministry and work in the ministry, you need patience, okay? You're going to have to have a lot of patience. I want to be a servant, but I want to be a good servant. I want to have patience, but I don't want to go through any trials. Well, guess what? You're never going to have patience. You're never going to be a good servant. That is the double-minded man. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I want to be a good servant of God. I want to have patience. 
I want to possess the gift of the Spirit. I want to be good at all these things. But I don't want to go through any hard times. I don't want to go through challenges. I don't want to deal with disappointment. I don't want to go... You know, double-minded. You need to make up your mind. If you really are willing to be a servant of God, you know what? I'll deal with the trials. I'll deal with the problems. I'll deal with the headaches. I will deal with those things. You know why? Because there's nothing better than being a servant of God. I mean, I have an opportunity. I go to the church of the living God and I can be a servant. I can help. I can make a difference in people's lives. And if I go through some hard times, if I face some disappointments, if I put up with some you know, backslidden Christians in the church that criticize the work I do and say things that make me feel bad, hey, that's just the devil fighting me because he's trying to stop me from what I'm doing. And even if it hurts me, even if it you know, brings me down, you know what? This is going to help me. It will make me be a better servant. So you know what? Bring it on. I want to be better. Have you ever seen what some of, these, some of the athletes, the great athletes we know, the things that those people put themselves through. It's like, you know, that's ridiculous. You see these gymnasts? I mean, their whole life is training. They're not allowed to eat any good food just so they can do some flips and stuff. You know what? You, it'd be cool if I could do a backflip, but you know what? I'd rather eat at Wendy's and McDonald's. And, you know, I'd like to be able to, you know, do the rings. Some of those guys that can hold themselves out in the rings like they do, I wish I was strong enough to do that. But you know what? I'd rather not train all day long. We'd all like to, we'd all like to have the great physique and all that, but we don't all want to do all that other stuff. And you know what? Yeah, they, they can have, they can have that. You know, bodily exercise profit a little. But, you know, but at the same time, if we want to be something for God, that's not a picnic either. That's not easy. There's trials. There's disappointments. One of the most difficult things, I believe, for a servant of God, for a laborer, is when it comes to things with church and, and serving, you are... You, you just can't make people do anything. It'd be a lot easier, I think, you know, running a company where you're paying people. And you can say, if you don't show up, you're fired. And that means you won't be getting any money anymore. It means you won't be able to pay your bills, which means you're not going to be able to afford that cable you're watching. That means you're not going to be able to afford your cell phones. Those people do anything you want. I, you know, and, but when it comes to things of God, it's all volunteer. We can't make anybody do anything. It's all volunteer. And sometimes you put yourself out there and you decide, hey, I want to, I want to do this in the church. This will be a blessing to people. And people just don't care. They're not interested. It stinks. And you're just like, I, I quit. Well, you know what? You need to learn to deal with that stuff. You need to learn to deal with the disappointment. You need to learn to have patience. It will make you stronger. Yeah, but it hurts. Yeah, just like exercising does. It's painful sometimes. You've got to be willing to get hurt. And you know, have you ever seen these people too You know that are all into the exercising and bodybuilding and you know they'll I've seen these people you know lifting weights and stuff and you know, I mean they're just moaning and groaning like it's the most painful thing in the world and you know and they after they get done they lift that way they sound like they almost died from doing it but they get those weights up in the air you know they're all proud of themselves you know you, you, it's just like how is that even exciting I mean you just went through all that pain and agony so you can just put some weight above your head what did, you, what did you accomplish by getting that weight up there? What, what You accomplished nothing. 
It's not like you're building something and you know putting a structure together. You accomplish absolutely nothing. But boy, they're proud of it, aren't they? And yet, when it comes to the things of God, we're actually accomplishing something that's eternal, but it's painful sometimes. And people they get mad and don't want to do anything anymore. But listen, that pain that you're going through, it's going to make you stronger. And you know those hardcore athletes and stuff, they know that pain is making them stronger. It's going to make them better. And so they'll deal with it just so they can hit that baseball just a little bit farther. They can throw that pitch a little bit faster or whatever it is that doesn't matter. We need to be willing to do these things and we need to be asking God for the gifts. And that means you know we're going to be willing to you know, deal with the hardships that come with those things. You know, we need to be, and then we need to make sure we're using the gifts we have. Look, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 26. I'm I'm not going to read uh, this whole passage here uh, that goes with it, but it's a familiar passage of scripture. But he says, you know, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I could have received mine own with usury. Talking about he gave the talents to those people. And not just, those aren't talking about talents like we are talking about. Talking about money, but at the same time, it applies. God gives us talents, but many times we don't use them. If you don't use the talents that you have for God, why should He give you more? And the truth is, we ought to want more. The more talents we have, the more abilities we have, the more we can do the more we can accomplish. It is a great privilege to be able to serve God and we've got we've got to use those ones we have. We've got and you know there's other people out there. Maybe they don't have as much talent. But you know we got to teach them, inspire them. Use the one talent that you've got. Use that use that one small ability, however insignificant it may be, use that for the cause of Christ and maybe the Lord will give you more. Maybe he'll make you Better at it, and so we've got to we've got to be uh, we've got to be setting the example in that area. We've got to make sure that you know these gifts that we have, that we use them for the service of God. It's sad how many people take their gifts that they have and and waste them on the things of the world. You know, I, I see, we've seen this so many times. You know, singers. I thank the Lord for good singers. I love good singing in the church. But you know what? You know what usually happens to the really talented ones a lot of times? They end up going the way of the world. I mean, sometimes they literally go the way of the world singing secular music. Sometimes they compromise and go professional Christian music. You know, they'll take the Southern Gospel route or whatever like that because there's some money there. And, you know, it's, it's sad when you see them, when you see people go that way. But, you know, we need to make sure we're showing people the best place I can use my gift is for the work of the Lord. If you have a gift that you can use to make some money and stuff, you know, if you have, if you have a talent and a skill, there's nothing wrong with you using that to make money as long as it's in a legitimate way. You know, if you're, if you're an electrician and you, you have an opportunity to go out and make money doing your electric work, do it. But you know what? I hope you use those things for God, too. And... and you know, but sadly, many people don't. They they never use those gifts. They've got them, and it's and it's frustrating too. It's discouraging a lot of times for other people in the church when they see that there's a need, and there's somebody. Everybody knows they could be helping in that area. You know, 
as far as I know, we don't have any you know glass door people in our church. But you know, I mean, how wouldn't it kind of make you feel bad? If we've been dealing with those junky doors all this time. There was somebody in the church that had a business that did that kind of thing. That it's like, man, you know, they really could have helped us out there. And then we go and we have to bring somebody else in, and we're paying all this money, and you know, it'd be kind of frustrating, wouldn't it? And uh, you know, we got to make sure we don't do that. That people see, hey, all these other people are using their abilities. They're all contributing in areas where they can. And you know what? It'll start convicting other people to start helping. It's like, man, you know, everybody else is. It, it, people do. They get they get inspired that way. They get motivated that way. And so, just you doing your job, it can help motivate other laborers. It can motivate other people. To get involved, and truth is, you know, the person who gets the most out of church or really anything, it's the person who contributes the most. And you know, God made you with special abilities, and when you put those abilities to use, you find fulfillment in those things. You really do. And putting your spiritual gifts to proper use, it's it gives you that feeling of completion and, and fulfillment. And so, you know, that, that praying for the labors, whenever you do that, whenever you read that scripture, it says, you know, pray, you know, when he's telling them to pray for the labors, don't just do it and think, you know, Lord, send these people from other churches our way. You know what we need to do? We need to realize that a lot of these labors we're praying for, they're probably people who come to our church. They're probably people who live in our community. You know what we should just do is... You know, wherever we have needs, we should just start witnessing to those people. And, you know, that's what I should just do. I'm just, I'm just going to witness this guy tomorrow when he comes, and you know, <laughs> you know, start getting these people in our church, and you know, get getting them saved, and you know, that that can help a lot. You know, we need we need some new windows in this church. But that's a lot of money. Windows are expensive. You know, insulation, all that. So you know, let's go get a window guy saved. <laughs> let's go. Uh, whatever, whatever it is that we're needing around here, let's go win these people, Lord. I'm thank, I thank the Lord, Brother Benez knows how to do a lot of electrical stuff. It saved us a lot of money, you know. And you know, he was already saved when we came out here. But boy, it would it would be fulfilling to go out and win to be the one that won that person. You know, it would be fulfilling. Maybe you don't have a whole lot of money, you know. But what if you won somebody, the Lord, who had a bunch of money? They gave. Well, you know, I don't think we ought to sit around, you know, keep a score and taking credit for ourselves. But at the same time, it'd be kind of fulfilling, wouldn't it? <laughs> and so, you know, do that. The laborers, they're out there. We need to realize there are opportunities all over the place in this community. There's a lot of people that would get saved if we witnessed them. We need more people out knocking doors. We need more people working in different ministries, different areas. We need more. We need more outreach programs, but we have to have the laborers to do those things. We need we need a bus route in this area. This area needs a really good bus route. It, I think this would be one of the easiest areas in the world to have a bus route. But you know what? You got to have laborers for that. I don't know if we have the best facilities for that. But at the same time, if we get the laborers, if we put, you know, the Lord will provide those things. I really believe He will. And so I, I encourage you to do that this year. I want you to pray for the laborers. But at the same time, I want you to understand too that not only should you pray for the laborers, but you know what? Try to recruit the laborers and try to inspire other laborers. They're out there. 
there are people, I believe, sitting in this church that could be make a huge difference. They just don't know how. And so you know what? Let's let's show them. Let's lead. You get involved. You know, you help. You know, don't don't be all pushy. Don't be one of those people. You know, that's like the church police. You know, other people are all doing this in the church. You know, I notice you haven't been helping in this area. You know, I notice you didn't show up for the. You know, don't. That's not how you do it. All right, pack. That's another message we can preach another time. Use some of that when you do that. But uh, pray for the laborers, and and I believe the Lord will send them. I believe we, the harvest it's ready to go in this area. And if we're going to accomplish something, we need we need the laborers. And so pray for that. So with that, let's all stand together.